Welcome to the Menopause Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Willis, author of Cookie Dough in the Dark and Vibrant Living with Tanya. Menopause is like going through puberty again. Your body is changing, your hormones are shifting, but instead of being a lost teenager, it's the perfect opportunity to reinvent your life and take stock of your emotional, mental, and physical well-being. Gain wisdom, be empowered, and learn the strategic skills and the inner work that can be done simply so that the last half to third of your life is vibrant and amazing. Subscribe and share this podcast with your gal pals, and thank you for joining me. This is worth repeating a hundred times to get it into our brains, to remember that there's nothing wrong with us, that we need new strategies and skills to help us. So why do we keep going back to sugary treats? And by sugary treats, I also mean that glass of wine that many of you are having. And again, like I've said, if it is not a problem for you, then don't worry about it. But we just want to, I just want to hop in here today to really drive home a couple of points and also talk about insulin resistance and diabetes, which is on a massive upswing. And I definitely don't want it. So I have to keep hearing these messages to remind myself why I do what I do. So here's why you keep going back for more sugary treats. Every time you eat sugar, and sugar is cake, uh, popcorn, bread, wine, juice, pop, any of those simple carbohydrates. Okay, Every time you eat that, you eat that sugar because that's what it breaks down to in your body. Remember, you have your macronutrients, carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. So we're talking about the carbohydrate group. You have a simple carbohydrate and a complex carbohydrate. We're talking about those simple carbohydrates. Okay, when we eat those, your brain releases a neurotransmitter called dopamine. And dopamine signals pleasure and encourages you to repeat that action. Oh, have another glass of wine, have another cookie, have another handful of chips. Oh, eat some more popcorn, have another piece of toast with peanut butter and jam on it. Okay. And as we flood our brain with dopamine, our pleasure threshold or pleasure baseline rises. And this is why once upon a time, one cookie would be enough for me. And then it became two cookies and three cookies and five cookies and 10 cookies because my threshold kept rising to the point where I had to have that many to get the pleasure. So previous things, um, you know, besides food that bring us pleasure, like connecting with friends and going for a walk in nature or reading a book, don't satisfy these dopamine levels enough because we have heightened them so much with sugar. So that is why we don't understand this wiring. We tend to go back to sugar to feel good when we're tired and bored and sad and lonely and stressed and happy, whatever that feeling is, we think that that glass of wine, that cookie, that cake, that bread, that pasta will make us feel good. And it does momentarily because it hits this neurotransmitter dopamine. But then we go into this slump. How do we fix this? Okay, first of all, like I've said a hundred times, 
you have to want to fix it. If the desire is not there, then it will not be fixed. So there has to be some pain that is causing you that you want to stop. Like you, you maybe for me, I had itchy feet. I was a biatch when I, when I had too much sugar, I was moody. I didn't sleep well. And so there were some definite, when I put on my big girl pants and realized that when I was consuming this extra sugar, it had negative consequences on my body. And when I actually told the truth to myself that, yes, this is what's happening. And this happens every time. I was like, okay, do I want to make some changes or do I not want to make some changes? All right. And so one of the things that I did and when I, you know, stopped the all or nothing, the frenzy, which I talk a lot about in my book, Cookie Dough in the Dark, is that one of the challenges I did was this 30 day added sugar detox, just removing the added sugars like ketchups and chili sauce. And I became more aware of what was in foods. And then I also did some mindset work. So I have lots of videos of me of me helping you during this challenge. And when we reduce our sugar intake, and like I said, if you're drinking three glasses of wine uh, a night, it doesn't have to be zero. Okay, it can go down to two, it can go down to one, it could go down to an alcohol free night. So it really depends on you. I don't know your situation. But I know that me going from 10 cookies to zero was too much. So I started to do raw baking. I really got into raw baking. Actually, that's like not how you'd say it, but raw, raw. It's not even cooking because everything's raw, but chocolate that like cacao powder. Oh my God, it was just so delicious. And I still do that. But when we reduce our sugar intake, we also drop our dopamine set point back to normal levels. But this process takes time. So we need to be patient. We need to not be hard on ourselves. So if you listen to episode number nine, I think was when I had my emotional eating breakdown and the strategies that, or the lessons that I learned, like we need to give ourselves compassion and love and learn some lessons and have some reflection, not beat ourselves up, find support as you go through this process and ask for help. It's super important for um, getting support and accountability. We're fighting a very primal area of our brains, okay? They light up when they get this sugar. So two practical things you could do are, you know, join the 30-day added sugar detox, and I'll drop the link below, or pick up my Love Your Cravings guide for some tips, or you could pick up my book, Cookie Dough in the Dark, or you could join us in our... Uh, mindset coaching that we do every single Monday. The other thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, because it relates to sugar and it is growing, unfortunately, and it is a lifestyle disease. Type 2 diabetes, um, pre-diabetes is directly related to your habits. And when we enter menopause, Okay, which can start around the age of 40 when you're in that perimenopausal stage and then you move into postmenopause. So anytime over the age of 40, a woman's risk of developing insulin resistance, which occurs when the body doesn't adequately respond to insulin and levels of glucose in the blood go up, this can lead to diabetes. And I don't want diabetes. I don't know if you do, but if you don't, 
And listen, it's not only diabetes. There are a lot of complications that come with diabetes, uh, like losing your eyesight, losing a limb. Those are some drastic ones, but there's some nasty stuff that happens and I don't want that happening to me. And I love my carbs, people. So I am on this journey with you. But when we experience this insulin uh, resistance, um, we can really help ourselves by switching over to some complex carbohydrates or low glycemic foods. We want to move away from the chips and the crackers, the cookies, the sugary drinks, the alcohol. We don't have to get rid of them forever, but they do need to become less prominent in our diet. By incorporating some low glycemic foods, we can make it easier for ourselves to manage our blood sugar levels, which will also help decrease our cravings. So some low glycemic foods that you can think of adding into your diet would be some blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, Granny Smith apples, pears, cherries, and citrus fruit. Lots of vegetables, just about any vegetable, peppers, broccoli, asparagus, avocado, avocado is actually a fruit, but onions, lots and lots of greens, cucumbers. You could add some chickpeas and beans milk, yogurt, non-dairy milk, cottage cheese, cheese. Those are great sources of protein. For some of you, some of you are not into dairy, so you could just pick something else. We want to look into minimally processed grains. There's lots of different options on the market now. There's like chickpea pasta. Just read your labels, trying to get less carbs, more protein, and also enjoy some nuts, seeds, and meat. Okay, so maybe you already knew, know that you're supposed to be eating those lower glycemic foods, but you're not. And that's where, you know, getting weekly support, motivation, accountability in my menopause uh, vibrant living group can be of um, a bonus for you. So anyway, reach out if that suits you. And again, I just want to emphasize how important it is to go slowly and not be in a rush because fact rapid fast law or rapid fat loss means rapid weight gain for 97% of dieters and not only that it is so hard on our bodies okay and we don't want to be doing that to our bodies anymore and i'm going to tell you why because rapid weight loss often damages and slows down your metabolism, which makes it much harder to keep the weight off when you go back to eating normal food. So if you're on a weight loss, fat loss journey, take a second to set a goal that will ensure permanent results. And what does that look like? If you're over the age of 35, you're in that perimenopausal stage, or you're over the age of 50 and you're in menopause, I'm just throwing out some you know guideline numbers here, you're looking to reduce about a pound a week. No more than that for slow, steady fat loss so that you can maintain these habits um, instead of them being a quick fix and then rebounding. If you're looking to lose about 20 to 30 pounds, this can take six months to a year to find a plan that feels easy, effortless, and sustainable. All right, so we've talked about today just some 
primal instincts of what sugary treats, uh, why we crave them so much, and a few practical strategies to do, such as going slowly and eating some low glycemic foods, which will also help ward off some insulin resistance and diabetes, because we don't want that. And I'll just do a quick little blurb on insulin resistance since we're here, but it is the root of so many modern day diseases, including type two diabetes, heart disease, dementia, which Alzheimer's, which they're calling diabetes three, PCOS, and so much more. And basically the cells in our body stop responding to insulin correctly and do not take in blood sugar as they should. And then the pancreas, then has to pump out more insulin to deal with all of this excess blood sugar leading to high insulin levels. And it is the high levels of insulin that cause the associated symptoms and diseases. But often insulin resistance goes undiagnosed because it starts many years before fasting blood sugar starts to rise. And doctors typically do not routinely test fasting insulin. So you could ask for that test to see what yours is at. But here's the great news. Here's the great news. Insulin resistance can be reversed. Okay, it can be reversed. And I gave you some low glycemic food options to start incorporating into your diet. But you can also um, oh my gosh, we have to do a podcast on this talking about intermittent fasting, because I really, I'm just going to throw one little blurb out there before you start intermittent fasting, because it is, you know, uh, talked about a lot as a woman, do not change anything until you first notice what intermittent fasting you have now. And then you slowly increase the amount of time between your last bite and your first bite of food focusing on getting rid of the nighttime snacking first. And if you leave those fasts too long, you can actually cause stress in your body and your body will hold on to fat. So it is not just simply trying to, you know, outrun the clock and not eat. You really need to be smart about intermittent fasting. Building muscle. I will tell you, I have been lifting weights for 32 plus years now, and it has saved me. I know without a shadow of a doubt that lifting weights has kept my weight at a reasonable level. It's kept my body fat low. It's kept my mood stable, my bones strong. Uh, it's done so many amazing things for me. And we did episode, I can't remember, uh, keep your bones strong. I think it was episode number six, where we really talk about um, the importance of lifting weights to keep your bones strong. Okay, so building muscle, not snacking between meals, huge, huge, huge. And this is one I have, I snack much less I'm still prone to snacking at times, but I absolutely know that my snacking is more mental hunger than physical hunger. And so I am still processing through this mental hunger and learning skills to deal with that. And, you know, this is where my foam roller has come in super handy at helping me through this transition, as well as some other things that I will share with you over our podcast episodes. 
getting adequate adequate sleep huge 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 again just be aware of what you're doing now and some steps you can take to get adequate sleep and i will tell you that drinking wine and nighttime snacking and eating lots of sugary food direct does impact your sleep it directly impacts your sleep so if you have night sweats you get up between three and five really put on those big girl pants it's time to make some changes all right and eating carb-rich foods, which I've mentioned before, at the end of your meal, if at all. So if you can start to reduce some meals and not have those carbs, start to put more fruits and vegetables in there, some more complex carbohydrates, specifically those vegetables. But if they are on your place, like right and pasta, um, eat them at the end, all right? So by using these strategies, your insulin load, load will remain low and your cells will become more sensitive to do it again. I have to be really honest with you. When I was going through this transition of coming off my, you know, uh, decades of eating way, way, way too much sugar, uh, I could and then I got honest because I got to the point where my ears were itchy. My elbows were itchy. I was moody. Like I said, my, my energy was all over the place. My feet were burning. I, there had so many signs and symptoms that I was just not taking ownership of because I really didn't know how to decrease my dependence on sugar. And when I finally did a lot of mindset work, I was very um, triggered by any sugar. So even if I ate an apple, I was really triggered or grapes or those higher sugar fruits. And again, we are all on different paths. I just want to be honest about mine. So I did have to decrease my, my uh, fruit intake and you know, sweet potato intake and stuff like that for a while and really focus on the broccoli, the cauliflower, the uh, leafy greens so that it wouldn't spike my blood sugars. Now I'm, I'm better, but I can still feel when I'm pushing the envelope of eating too much sugar. And as you've learned in certain episodes, I still do that. It's less and less and less, but um Anyway, I just want to be upfront and clear. So there you go, everybody. That gives you just another deeper dive into whether you want to continue to be a sugar burner, because if we don't take care of understanding our dopamine and our pleasure centers and how it's a, an ingrained, you know, primal, what's the word I used earlier, uh, primal area of our brain to want this sugar it's not willpower. It's not deprivation. It's not restriction. It's using other tools that I teach in my vibrant living coaching program. And you can do the, the, the practical stuff of decreasing the sugar in your diet. If that mindset, or if you're needing account accountability and support, please join us. And I will put the link below or somewhere in the show notes. All right, everybody, have a beautiful day and uh, evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this, and I will see you again. Bye.